0: title of the message this morning is Ministry or Maintenance? Ministry or Maintenance? I'll explain more about what I'm going to talk about in a minute. But uh, I just want to start this morning by saying this is message number three this week. (laughs) Every once in a while you start down a path and all of a sudden it's like, no, that's not going to work. Scrap. But don't worry, I didn't scrap it completely. You're going to get it later. So uh, then message two, then on to message three. So this morning you're getting number three. And uh, this is kind of a culmination. Over the last several weeks, there's been several themes rolling around in my head. And it's really easy to happen. When there's not a, mo- when there's not a lot up there, things can just kind of ricochet like a pinball machine really easily. So these are some things that have been rolling around up there for several weeks. And uh, I just want to kind of put them together in a message this morning. And, uh, but they're all basically related to each other. And can I say most of us want our lives to count for something, Right. We want our lives to count for something. Uh, I realized in the first service, one of the older gentlemen said, Well, you're not old yet. Right. Uh, I'm only 49, and uh, don't get jealous, some of you. And, uh, but the reality is, I'm not old yet, but I'm not young. But here's what I realize: Probably, unless the Lord tarries, we have more days behind us than we have in front of us when we start reaching around 50 years old. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize that there's been so many things I could have done, should have done, might have done, but didn't do. I want my life to count for something. And the older I get, the less I really, and I know this is not going to sound good, but the less I care about what other people think. Because I'm only going to stand before one one day. And that's true of you as well. It's not like I want to go through life making anybody upset or mad or angry or frustrated but the bottom line is, when I die, I will not stand before anyone around me. I will stand before God. And I will give an account of my life that I've lived. So I want, at this stage of my life, to do all that I can to make it count for something. And I always know there's going to be sweet little grandmas. And say, oh, but you've got such a great life. Wonderful. True. God has blessed us. But I want my life to count for I want what we do to matter. So as all these themes are rolling around in my head, and it's like, how do you relate these things? Well, you really can't, so you just kind of get them like bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, but I think you'll agree with me that each of these words or questions are related, and it brings about a series of thoughts from each one. So what comes to your mind when you hear these words, or these questions, or these thoughts, or these phrases? And I want to ask you to be honest with yourself this morning. Is life about ministry or maintenance? And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. So let's pray as we get begin. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings. But God, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves because, Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. And we cannot deceive you, Lord, though we may deceive others. And I ask God that you would help us to be honest about where we're at in our walk with you, where we're at in our relationship, Lord, whether or not we're serving you or not. And I ask God that you would prick our conscience, Lord, to do more, to be what you would call us to be. Lord, it's not just about doing everything that we can do, but doing the things that you ask us to do, by being the person that you ask us to be. And I ask God that you'd help us to be honest. And Lord, when we're done, I ask the Lord that you'd help us to make the necessary changes, Lord, to be who you have called us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first word that came to my mind this week as I was, or last actually the last several weeks, is the word status quo. Status quo. It's kind of can be kind of just described as normal. Everything's normal. Everyone gets up, everyone gets dressed, everyone goes to work, everybody does their thing, and life it just kind of happens. It's just kind of normal. Nothing really stands out, nothing really is kind of. You know, makes you stand out above anyone else in the crowd. You're just kind of normal. It's status quo. Nothing about my life, my job, my family, my goals really stands out to anyone else. It's just kind of normal. It's just kind of status quo. Things are just okay. And I have to wonder about you and I as we even related to the church or our personal walk, or our personal life. How many? How many of us have basically settled for status quo? Life is good, not really hurting, we're not really in in danger, we're just kind of okay. And we've settled for that. Several weeks ago I challenged our guys and I said, you know, it's really easy, in fact it's too easy to become satisfied with the way things are. For example, I could say, what about our health? You say, well, hey, I should probably go to the gym, I should probably lose some weight, I should probably exercise, I should probably eat better, but eh, it's okay, I'll deal with it later. And later never comes because doing something that changes things is actually hard. But we settle for, well, I know it's not great, but eh, we're okay. I mean, I haven't had a heart attack. I'm not in the hospital. I'm not really sick all the time. So we're just satisfied with the way things are. Because it's hard to really change when things are just normal. We've accepted it. Things are okay. How about our financial situation? It's good enough. I mean, I could use some more, but my goodness, if I have to go to work more hours and spend more time there and deal with more people, no, no, I'm out. And yet there's some things that we could do for the Lord if we would just submit ourselves and work a little bit harder, but we don't want to do that because things are just okay. We're satisfied with the status quo. Or how about our marriage? Guys, you know, you you did everything you could to, to get your wife, you dated her, and you took her out, and you, you bought her things, and you made her feel special, then all of a sudden you got the marriage part done, and now it's all over. When's the last time you went away with your wife for a weekend? When's the last time that you dated your wife? I'm just going to tell you, in our family, it is so funny, because over the last three or four years, we've made it a priority every Friday night to go somewhere, to do something. And I remember when we made this a priority a few years back, Andrew is actually kind of funny, where are you and mom going? I said, we're going to get coffee. Well, you did that last night. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we're going to do it again tonight. Because, you know, we actually enjoy spending time together. At least I think we do. I do. I don't know. It's kind of a little more debatable. But. but, you know, the reality is, guys, when's the last time you did something to show your wife that you love her? Well, it's okay. I mean, we're not heading for a divorce. Right, but neither are you getting, you know, as my wife says, well, I've got to make this one work. I don't have time to train another one. You know, the bottom line is, you get kind of satisfied with the way things are. There's no communication, there's no dating, there's no intimacy, there's no nothing because you just don't care about it. You've settled for status quo. Shame on you guys. Shame on you if you don't work at communicating. Don't, trust me, I, we have our knockdown dragouts. we've had them in the past, but we work through them because we're committed to it. Life is not perfect, but with God's help we get through it, Right? The bottom line is, we've settled for various things. How about our job, our position, our career? Somebody comes in and who's in a place of authority or a supervisory position, and they offer you He's like, "Nope, don't want no responsibility. Don't want to go forward. Don't want to do anything. Don't want to upset anybody. I'm just gonna just keep it the way things are. I'm just gonna, you know, settle in my security and just it's just the way it is." <clears throat> or how about knowledge? Man, I had to read enough books in college. I'm not reading another one. Man, I'm telling you, when I was at Northland and I had to read another thousand pages for a doctoral class, I'm like, oh, Lord, please, if I have to read another th- book, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> Dr. McLaughlin used to always say, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. The bottom line is you need to force yourself to read so that you can grow. And if you've, satis- you've become satisfied with where you're at, shame on you. That's not God's plan, that's your plan. God wants you to continue to grow. Or how about your relationship with Him specifically? Oh, I mean, it could be better. I mean, I don't pray as much as I should. I don't, don't read my Bible as much as I should. I don't share my faith as much as I should. But, you know, I'm okay. Really? On whose terms? you satisfied for status quo. You know, there's a verse in, in Acts chapter 17, and uh, verse 6. It, it really is an interesting verse. It says, But when they did not find them, They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. You don't live a life that's normal if you're turning the world upside down for the cause of Christ. That's not a normal life. That's a life that says, I want my life to count. I want to do something that's going to change the outcome at the end. But if you're satisfied and you think everything's just okay, and you're okay with the status quo, then just sit there where you're at. The bottom line is they turned the world upside down because they were not satisfied with the way things were. Another word that's kind of been floating around in my brain is the, the word ministry. Life is about ministry. But so many of us have satisfied are satisfied with the way things are that we really don't look at life as a ministry. Ministry is something we pay a pastor to do. A ministry is something that a missionary goes to do on a foreign land. A ministry is somebody who's a teacher somewhere. They have ministry. No, God has called all of us to be ministers, right? Yes or no? He's called all of us to be involved in ministry. How do I know that? Well, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 just for a moment. All these kind of phrases, I know they're kind of rambling on, but the, they all work together and I will eventually land into a text, I promise you. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to it be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's just stop right there if we don't go any further, the bottom line is he gave some pastors and teachers, that's guys like me who stand in the pulpit every week and teach and preach and proclaim the word of God to do one thing, to equip the saints who are who? Believers who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to do what? The work of the ministry. In other words, God says you are here being trained to go out into the world that we live in and do ministry. I'm going to tell you. It's hard sometimes. Anybody else get frustrated by people? People frustrate me sometimes. But you go over that. You live beyond that. Because it's not about you. It's about Him. And He says you're being equipped to do the work of the ministry. The ministry that you've been created to do. How do I know that? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Why? For you His workmanship created unto what? Good works. He's called you to ministry. And ministry will look different for every one of us. For some of you, it's at work every day. For some of you, it's in the church. For some of you, it's to your neighbor. But the bottom line is, life is not about me. It's all about Him. And the bottom line is, He wants you involved in a work of ministry. And by the way, James 2, faith without works is what? Dead. So you can say, I love God and I put my faith and trust in Him. But does your life validate See, your life can really scream one of two things. It's all about me or it's all about him. One or the other. Am I living as though I'm a minister of Jesus Christ as his child? Does the ministry even matter to me? Well, if you're a saint, Ephesians 4, 12, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, if you're a saint, it should matter to you. So I'd ask yourself the question, what's my ministry? How is God using me? Am I letting God use me? Does ministry even matter? Or how about goals? Just over a couple of pages, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Goals. What goals do you have? I, I, I was trying to think in the early service, and I should have looked it up on, on Google in between the services, but the gentleman from Dallas Theological who taught the seven laws of teaching. Um, Can't think of his name. But he was given an illustration in one of his chapters about an 80-year-old lady who had just recently passed away. And when they went to her desk where she had her morning devotions every day, up front and center on her tablet was the next 10 years of goals. At 80 years old, she was writing out her next 10 years of goals. Folks... Mark Twain said it best. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. What are you aiming for? What goals do you have to grow? What goals do you have to improve your relationships? What goals do you have to improve your work ethics and your, your health and your, everything that you're involved with in life? What goals do you have? We should have some goals. The ultimate goal should be the prize of Christ. To live for Him. To glorify Him in all that we say and do. Here's another one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This one really irritates me. I'm just being honest. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know we're all just content, right? Right. I'm not content. I want to be content because I know that God wants me to be content, but my flesh really doesn't want to be content. My flesh wants more. I mean, good Lord, I went all the way to Minnesota to bring back a Goldwing, I was so excited about it and it doesn't want to work right. So, what was my flesh says? Let's go get another one. Does it work right? Let's replace it. Why? Because we can. Who of us are really content? We have a nice car, but eh, I'm getting old of this one. Let's get a different one. Eh, these clothes. I've had them for so long. I'm getting blah. I need something fresh and new for the spring. Let's get rid of it. How many of us can truly say we're content? I want to be content, but then I struggle with that. There are days I think, okay, I don't need anything. And then there's days i was like, I want everything. Anybody else struggle with that? You lie. I know you're much more mature than I am. We struggle with these things. Why? Because, they're, because it's our flesh to do so. Or how about... Leadership. Say, well, I'm not in leaders, but you should be. Philippians two verse four says, look not every man on his own interests, but also the interests of others. You see, if all I'm worried about this, I'll just keep to myself. God wants us to look around us. What are the needs that I can help address? What are the circumstances that I can get involved with? What are the things that I can invest in for the cause of Christ? Says, look not every man on his own things, but also on in the interests of others. God calls you. He's called you to not live a selfish life. He's called you to be a leader. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it starts at our youth. He said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. In all these areas, uh, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in impurity... He's called you to be a leader in those areas. That's not just for the preacher. That's not just for the missionary. That's not for the deacon. It's for every one of us who know Jesus Christ. He's called you to be a leader. And we don't think about it. That's someone else's job. You know what leaders do? Leaders try to bring those up around them that are lower than them. They try to bring others up. It's not about me because I'm up front. It's about bringing others up there to join me. So that we can do the work that God's called us to do together. You ever thought that God has called you to be a leader? Or how about priorities? What are your priorities? In other words, I've been floating around in my brain. The older I get, the less I want to do things that don't matter. I didn't care about certain things in my 20s, I didn't care about certain things in my 30s. But the older I get, the more I think about what is the biggest priority of my life. I wish I could go back and change a bunch of junk but I can't. But I'm thankful for God's grace and His mercy today that gives me another opportunity to make right choices. But I think of priorities. What is the priority of your life? Matthew 6.33 really puts it into perspective. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? Let's be honest. Is that the priority of our lives? Is seeking God the priority of our life? His kingdom. And this is where we're going to land in a text in just a moment that kind of really puts this into perspective. But in Colossians chapter 1, it talks about that in all things he might have the preeminence. Is God taking preeminence in all the aspects of our life? Once again, that's not for preachers, deacons, science school teachers. That's for all God's people. That in all things he might have preeminence. So let's just kind of do a self-evaluation just among ourselves and kind of ask ourselves this question. Are there any areas that God is not preeminent in my life? Is God preeminent in my finances? Is God preeminent in my spare time? Is God preeminent in my job? Is God preeminent in my relationships? Is God preeminent in my positions? Is God, pre- is God preeminent? Is he? And if not, Why? One more. How about decision? We are living in a generation where people cannot make decisions. All around us, people will not make decisions. Well, I don't know. What should I do? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Make a decision, and the most important decision you can make is to serve God. Joshua twenty four, fifteen, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The decision is made. There's no room for doubt, there's no room for discussion. We're going to serve God. Make a decision. We're living in a generation that does not want to make a decision. But for too many of us, our lives will be at best normal. Normal. Status quo. And I know that sounds so mean. Man, Pastor just thinks we're all normal. I'm normal. For too many of us, it's just normal. It's status quo. Everything is just Okay we've settled for just well that's just the way it is and i'm okay with it doesn't god want something more for us as his children do you believe that does god want something more for us the joy i've said it a thousand times you it know it'd be pretty cool if one of your friends won the lottery not that i've ever played i have never played and i'm not going to play it but if your friend won the lottery it would be pretty cool but it wouldn't compare to as if you won it it's cool for them but if it happened to you
1: man no comparison
0: That's kind of how ministry is. It's pretty cool when you hear what's going on here and there and over there, but when God's doing it in your midst, it's so much more exciting. So much more exciting. Is God's expectation for us just to blend in with society? Is God pleased when we are generally accepted by those around us and liked by those around us? Or does God desire something more for us? And can I just reiterate, I have not got all these things mastered. I wish I could go back a thousand times. I I talked to one of my professors from college a month ago and I thought, man, I wish I could go back and sit under your teaching again as an adult rather than a punk 19, 20 year old. I wish I could have. I can't. But we can all start where we're at. To grow, to learn and to really fall into line with what God has this week I was listening to a message from David Platt that he preached at Passion City Church and he asked the congregants three questions and I wrote them down because I thought they were really good questions as I was listening to them just three questions, number one are you going to choose comfort or are you going to choose the cross comfort or the cross because every day it's a choice Every day when we wake up, we can choose to bring comfort to ourselves through all the activities of the day, or we can choose to put the cross before us. I wish I could say I do it more, but I don't. I want to. But it's a choice. And only with the help of the Holy Spirit can you do that. So he says, are you going to choose comfort or are you going to choose the cross? Number two, are you going to settle for maintenance or are you going to sacrifice for the mission? Sacrifice. That's a word we don't hear about too often. Sacrifice? To give up something? Am I willing to put aside what I want to do what God wants? Am I willing to put aside what I want to do to do what God wants me to do? Am I willing to sacrifice who I want to be to be who God wants me to be? Sacrifice is a huge issue. Am I willing to sacrifice? So he asked the question, are you going to settle for maintenance? In other words, just maintain your life the way it is, kind of go along with status quo, just kind of just do life, just kind of be who you're going to be, and just kind of love it, enjoy it, just kind of just get through it. Or am I willing to sacrifice for the mission? And then number three, will your life be marked by indecisive mind or an undivided heart? An indecisive mind or an undivided heart. I thought David Platt's questions were right on really challenging. Because I know every day when I get up, it's like, man, the day is starting. And if you're like most of us, we're not 25 anymore, except for a handful. We're not 25 anymore, and things hurt. Anybody wake up with hurts? Back hurts, knee hurts, ankle hurts, foot hurts. Lord Almighty, everything hurts. And at that moment, it's like, do I want to do the hard thing and get up, get moving, get exercising... Or just accept it as well, that's just the way it is. Oh well. It's easy to do nothing. That's the easiest thing to do nothing. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter nine. That's where we're gonna hang out for a while. Luke chapter nine. I told you we get into a text, this is it, Luke chapter nine. And I want to read through this passage and then just ask a few questions afterwards. Luke chapter 9, I want to read verses 57 through 62 and just kind of bring about four or five points from it. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said to him, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So here's a question. First question that came to my mind as I read it. Have you ever made that statement, the commitment to the Lord, You know, a statement of commitment to the Lord, Lord, I will follow. Have you ever made that commitment before? In your mind, answer that question. Have I ever made the commitment to follow the Lord? And then I want you to follow up with this question. Have you kept that commitment? Because God's Word says it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow to God and break it. It's better not to make the commitment than to make the commitment and break it, God's Word says. Have you ever made that commitment? Have you honored it? I don't know about you, but that's a hard thing to do. Lord, I will follow you wherever. Really? Wherever? I mean, wherever is really a huge possibility. Lord, I'll follow you to Africa. Africa? I I can't even follow you going into Walmart sometimes. (laughs) And if we can't stand up and praise God here... The easiest place in the world to do it. How in the world are you going to do it outside these walls? Let's be honest. This is the easiest place that you will ever be to praise God. And if you can't do it in here, you'll never do it out there. But God, I'm going to follow you. Wherever. I was thinking this week about this thought. Donna Blackford. I announced that we're going to go on a mission trip. Donna Blackford's 72 years old. And she goes, Pastor, do you think I could go on that mission trip with everybody? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. She goes, do you think I can handle it? Yes, I do, actually. I'm telling you, she worked those teenagers out under the bus. That woman could work. She was a farm woman. She grew up on a farm for 50, 60 years. That woman could work. She made the teenagers look bad. I'm just telling you, the truth. We got back, and she said, Pastor, tears in her eyes. She goes, I didn't didn't think I'd ever go on a mission trip in my life. I didn't think God could use me on a mission field. Here's the thing. God will use anybody that's willing. I'll follow. Be careful when you make that commitment, because God may send you someplace that you never thought of. Might be Walmart. (laughs) But are you willing to still follow? Have you honored that commitment? second thing that came to my mind was Jesus' response to what he said. It was a response that called for some serious contemplation. Look at, look at the verse, verse 58. And Jesus said to him, for a minute, you're going to follow me wherever? Okay, keep that thought. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Do you realize that if you follow me right now, you may not have much? You may not have anything. You still want to follow? I mean, foxes have holes. You can go on the backside of our property and you find a couple places where we have foxes' dens back there. They have a place that's called home. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man... You you know, you can read through the entire Gospel and trust me, this irritates me just a little bit because I kind of want one. It doesn't tell us about his earthly home. He didn't have a mansion nowhere. He didn't have one. I can relate with him. I live in a church parsonage. It's wonderful, by the way. I like it. But you know, we worry about these things. I worry about these things. You worry about these things. We worry about our home. We worry about taking care of it. And paying for it. And what if, and what if, and what if. I'd be lying to say I don't think about those things. I do. But he says, do you realize that if you make a commitment to follow me, you may have to sacrifice those things to follow me? Do you realize? Third thing that comes to my mind. So Jesus looks at the other man and said, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go back to my family and bid them farewell. What is keeping many of us from fully committing our lives to Jesus Christ in complete obedience? What is keeping you from fully committing your life? to this man, he says, let me first go back to my family. I need to first take care of some things back here. (laughs) Sounds logical. Sounds reasonable, right? I think it does. But just because it sounds reasonable and logical doesn't necessarily mean that that's what God wants you to do. That's what man wants. Man wants to have everything laid out. A plan. I need to see where this is going. I need to see what it's going to look like. I need to see how it's going to end up. Because if I can't see all that, can you imagine being Abraham? Just go to the land. Well, where, where Lord? Just go. I'll, I'll tell you when you get there. How many of us would do that today? I mean, we, we can't go nowhere without Yahoo Maps. Google Maps. We gotta know the outcome. But what if God says just go? Well, Lord, I have I have I have these things that He says. Just go. What's hindering us from going all in? So, well, Pastor, do you think we're not all in? I I think there's a lot of us that have a lot more to give. Two hands and a foot. I think there's a lot of us that have a lot more to get because we're holding back. We're reserved. We save this for a rainy day, and we save that for a rainy day, and we we do this just in case, and we do this what if. We're very reserved. But what's holding us back from going all in? Jesus' response to that was number four in my mind. Jesus replied, Let the dead bury their own dead. You say, Well, Jesus is just so caring and unsympathetic. I think that's not the point. Here's the point I think Jesus was implying that there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. When's the last time we really had a sense of urgency for somebody that we know and love, somebody who's around us? Maybe they're a worker. Co-worker, a neighbor, a friend, a relative that we actually had a sense of urgency with concerning their soul. Let's just be honest. I'm convicted by my own phrase here. When's the last time we had a sense of urgency? Where we said, if we don't open our mouths, they're gonna die and go to hell. If I say nothing, they're probably gonna spend eternity in a lake of fire. When's the last? Let's just be honest. Answer that question in your own mind. When's the last time you had a sense of urgency over the gospel? Let's be honest. For many of us, it's been way too long. We need to ask God to give us a sense of urgency back. He said, Let the dead bury their dead. This is important. And then he said a fifth thing. Then Jesus said, No one looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here's a thought that came to my mind. People are struggling with moving forward in their commitment to God because they can't or won't give up what they believe they're leaving behind. If we think we're leaving something behind, we'll never go forward. Can you imagine going on a trip and just leaving everything behind? You see... We're living as though we're never going to die. And we're all going to die, I promise you. One day we'll all die, and after that the judgment. And nobody is going to take one little thing with them to heaven. From this earth. But if we're worried about all the things that we may have to sacrifice and leave behind in order to go forward from Christ, we'll never go forward Is it wrong to have the things? No. We've said that a thousand times over the years. It's not wrong to have things. It's wrong for the things to have you. It's wrong for these things to captivate you to the point that you can't go forward. But we're living as though we're giving up too much to follow. The sacrifice is just too great. It's not. I promise you it's not. What did Jesus sacrifice? Can you imagine laying aside the splendor of heaven to come down to earth to experience fatigue and frustration and and, you know, being, you know, just seeing, you know, Lazarus die and lamenting over that. He gave up everything that heaven was to experience life on earth. That's sacrifice. And going to the cross and dying, that's sacrifice. You and I haven't sacrificed anything. In comparison. Is following Jesus going to be easy? No, it's not. In fact, look at the next passage in Luke chapter 10. I want to read the first three verses. It says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord, of the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. That's encouraging. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. We are living in a world where it is drastically changing right before our eyes that if you stand for any conservative biblical values, you are shunned. You are made fun of. You are you know, made to think that you are nothing. That's the world we live in. You are out as a lamb amongst wolves. But did he say it's going to be hard, don't go? No. Hey, by the way, uh, this, people are not going to like you, so maybe i would just stay back. No. He said, I'm sending you out. Why? Verse 2. The harvest is plenteous. But the labors are few. We need more people in the vineyard. More people who will do what I ask you to do. So, five quick thoughts. Number one. it says, go your way. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. Verse 3. It's not going to be easy. What do the wolves want to do with the lambs? Eat them up. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Didn't, that, didn't God's word say that to us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Number two, just take what you need for travel. See, <clears throat> so where's that? Verse four. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Wait a minute. Just Just take what you need. Does anybody else not like to travel light? It's hard to travel light when you have so much stuff. I'm just telling you, if I'm going for an overnighter, I'm taking my big suitcase. I just am. Now, I know that everywhere I go, I wear boots. Boots don't make my feet hurt. I like boots. But just in case, I might have to have those dress shoes just in case I'm forced to put them on. don't like dress shoes. I'm going to bring my tennis shoes just in case I want to go walking a little bit more. But I'll probably still wear my boots. Oh, and by the way, I've got to throw my slippers in there too. You're going overnight. <laughs> right, but just in case I need them. Some of you are laughing because you're the same way. I'm worse than a woman. I'm just telling you. And I can't just bring a pair of sweatpants to sleep in because I might need my shorts. So I'll throw the shorts in there too. And I know I only need one T-shirt because it's overnight, but I'm going to bring four because I'm not sure what color I might want to get there. I don't wear white hardly. I wear blue. I got five blue T-shirts, and they're going to be one for every day of the week. It's hard to travel light when we have so much junk. Anybody really? We have so much. And what's he saying here? Just take what you need. I'll give you what you need as you go. Let's just kind of make that practical jump application. When you commit to follow Jesus Christ, it's not about what you can do to prepare and all these things. You just do it and God will supply your need. He'll give you what you need. But you have to believe that. Number three, what do I do when I go? Well, I think we see that in verse nine. Heal the sick and there and, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You know, basically preach the word. Share the gospel. Get the message out. We make serving God way too difficult sometimes. It's just easy, wherever you're at. Whatever you're doing. Whatever you're involved with. Open your mouth. Here's the thing that encourages me. Verses 10 and 11. But Whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. He says, don't worry about the outcome. That's not yours to control. But see, if we're control freaks, and we want to know all the details, and we have to make sure that we know everything that's going to happen along the way, we'll never do it. But he says, don't worry about the outcome. You just be obedient. I'll take care of the outcome. And then verses 12 through 16 One last thing. If I could sum it up. Verse 16. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Just preach the word and let me control the outcome. Just preach the word. Just do what I ask you to do. That's what God's called us to do. Just to simply follow simply obey. But if we're busy settling for the status quo, and just accepting everything as normal and okay and good and fine, we'll not accomplish anything for the Lord. I know for me, as the days get older, as I get older, as the days grow longer, I wish there's so many things I could go back and switch and change and do and implement and And all I I can do is take each day as a new day, a new day of grace and mercy from the Lord to do what He asked me to do. But I don't want it to be just maintenance. I want life to be about ministry. I want it about accomplishing something for the cause of Christ. Everything else sounds good. Good job, good paying job, nice things. It all sounds great. Sign me up. Love to have more. Who won? right? Looking at those nice Indian motorcycles. Look nice, right? Let's go get one. No. In the end, you'll take nothing with you. And the only thing that's going to stand the test of time, they've said it a thousand times, are what? The souls of men and the word of God. Those are the two things that will never be destroyed. Everything else is going to be tried by fire, as God tells us. So what are we investing this life or the next. That's a challenge for all of us, myself included. Yeah, preachers struggle with it too. We're real. I remember going to my first pastoral interview in Tippecanoe. And one of the people on the public committee said, Pastor, so tell us about one of your struggles. And I wasn't even thinking, I was just going to have fun. I didn't think I was really going to go there. So I was just having fun with the day. And I said, if you make me mad, I'm going to punch you. And oh, I said I'm just kidding relax I'm just kidding I'm not going to punch you I never punch anybody I'm, I'm good. it's all good but then I followed it up and said if you cut me I bleed red just like you we're all sinners saved by grace all people who are trying to live for the Lord preachers don't have it all down and I know you don't have it all down we all have some room for improvement right so ministry or maintenance it's a daily choice Lord Jesus we thank you for your word and I pray God that you would speak to our hearts and I ask God that you would just for a moment Lord help us to be honest with who we are before you and I ask God that you would speak to our hearts as heads are bowed and eyes are closed just simple opportunities we have each and every week an opportunity to respond to what you've heard how has God spoke to you this morning through his word How has His Word impacted you? Are there some things that need to change? Are there some things that you need to do different? Are there some things that you need to get rid of? Some things that you need to implement? Maybe there's a realization that for some of you, at least, it's been all about maintaining the life you got rather than using it for ministry for the Lord. Say, Pastor, if I'm honest with myself this morning, there's some things that need Change. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that this morning? Yes. Yes, in the back, in the sides. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Some things I need to do different. Some things I need help, God's help with. Maintenance or ministry? Maybe your life is all wrapped up in maintenance when it should be wrapped up in ministry. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes. Can I just challenge those of you who have raised your hand, your heart to the Lord take a moment and pray. God's word tells us that to him that knows to do right doesn't do it to him it is sin whatever change that needs to come needs to come through repentance and trusting in God just take a moment and pray none of us in and of ourselves in our own flesh is able to do everything that God's us. To do we need his help But it starts with a surrender, a commitment, a a willingness to say, God, it's not about me, it's all about you. I don't want to live a status quo life. I don't want to live a life that doesn't involve ministry. I don't want to live a life without goals. I don't want to live a life that doesn't include contentment and being a leader and having correct priorities and being able to make decisions that are glorifying to God. Pray, anyone else? Say, Pastor, include me. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, Lord, many across auditorium, Lord, have acknowledged that there's some things that need to change. Some areas of our lives, Lord, that we need to resurrender, recommit to make our lives count. To spend the time that you have for us, Lord, not just status quo, but to really accomplish something for the cause of Christ be used of you lord help us lord we cannot do it in of ourselves lord our flesh is too weak our minds are not focused at times god i just pray you for your help your strength through the holy spirit lord to do what you've asked us to do to be who you've asked us to be lord i pray that you grant victory in these areas and we'll praise you for it for it's in jesus name we pray